Welcome to the Light the A Sports Podcast, home of the top interviews of Aggie Sports Nation. Former Utah State basketball head coach, Rod Tuller. Utah State gymnastics coach, Kristen White. Welcome to the program, John Eccles. Ashley Cardozo. Welcome to the program, former Utah State running back, Emmett White. How you doing? And now, here are your hosts, Jason Walker and Eric Franson. Hello and welcome to the Light the A Podcast. Jason Walker with you here alongside Eric Franson. Very excited about today's guest that we have on for our launch week. He is the former head coach of the Utah State hockey team. He was an assistant and head coach with the hockey team for a total of 15 years. And as a head coach, won 264 games. He's also a three-time American Collegiate Hockey Association West Region Coach of the Year, among many other distinctions. And we welcome to the program... John Eccles. Hey guys, how you guys doing? It's been a while. Yeah, I know it's it's been a while for me. Uh, Utah State hockey holds a very special place in my heart because that's where my, you know, sports writing career kind of began was covering Utah State hockey, and you were the coach back then. So and you did a great job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got to start somewhere, and certainly helped me. It helped me learn a lot about journalism and obviously learn about hockey, which I, I right. wasn't much of a hockey guy then. I'd enjoyed watching it, but. I was able to learn a lot, and you were very nice to me in, in, well, in helping me through some of that. Well, thanks. It is the best sport in yeah. the world. So. <laughs> it, it, it is great. Like, I know I usually spend a lot of time in, in you know, the football and basketball, but there's, there's nothing like a good hockey yeah. game. Close seconds. <clears throat> They're yeah. close seconds. So. You know, I've, I've also had a lot of opportunities to talk to uh, Coach John Eccles over the years, you know, on Full Court Press uh, when you were – Heavily involved with the program back then. You were always great to bring players down multiple times through the season. Uh, we would highlight your roster or talk about your season. Uh, multiple chances to make trips across the country and in the postseason, we'd have you guys on. So we'd, uh, we'd do what we could to let people know if you had, uh, especially if you had different fundraisers going on. Because, man, club sports, that's a tough row to hoe. It's a real challenge Right to fundraise and make sense of how to make a team work and travel and all of the above. It is. I mean, uh, unfortunately, where it's not NCAA and not sponsored by the school in that sense, uh, the team does have to go out and you know find a lot of sponsorships. Uh, they gotta get fans into the crowd, you know, to the to the ice center so that you know tickets are being sold. But uh, it is really rewarding for the players and you know the fans and and the coaching staff for that matter to to be able to be involved in that. Where some of the other kids in NCAA they might not have that opportunity down at the grassroots working hard to to make a program work and uh, Utah State was always good to us they always helped where they could and uh, I appreciated my time the 15 years that I got to to be there and uh, it was bittersweet to to say goodbye to retire I still miss coaching i it's like i was telling jason i don't miss getting up at 5 30 in the morning opening up the rank getting the nets out and getting everything ready um but i still miss uh you know the recruiting aspect you know working with the kids things like that parents but now as the commissioner uh, of men's division two for the acha we have just under 200 teams and it keeps kept me tied into a bunch of friends that I'd made over the years when traveling and playing and learning new you know getting to know new teams and making relationships there but it's been it's been a lot of fun right now we're in 
the process of doing our first rankings that hopefully will cross our fingers. Um, I might be a half an hour late because of this podcast, but we're trying to get the, the rankings out tomorrow afternoon for, for our first rankings. So you can, you've, you brought this up because I wanted to, to ask you about this, uh, the commissioner job. Uh, obviously, you, you took that back in 2019, right? Yeah. So yep. what was – and you, you retired from head coaching in – 2018. 2018. And I was the West coordinator. And there's four coordinators. Uh, there's the West, Southeast, Northeast, and Central coordinators that the country's kind of split up into four. And we're kind of responsible for the 50-ish, for some cases, you know, a little bit less, uh, in each region. And so I worked closely with the commissioner at that time. And, you know, whenever things had to be done, I was, you know, running around doing things. And then he resigned and left to start up another league. And uh, they said, hey, John, we want you to put in for this. Uh, we're posting it. So you'll have, you know, pe- other people putting in. And so uh, had an interview, went through that. And uh, they said, hey, we want you. And so I said, great. I love it. You know, um, there's pressure times. And then other times there's not a lot to do during the summer times uh, from, I would say, August to march is the busy time that's when the season's going and uh, i have to travel a couple times and then at the end of the year come april may we have uh the acha uh big meeting where we go we vote on things change things you know and just kind of go over the the league in general how is that just from where you were as a coach like 15 years ago utah state to where you are now at a higher level position, how has the sport at this higher level kind of grown or changed over that time? It is. I started in 2003, 2004. Great bunch of guys. Um, it was structured a little bit differently. Uh, each region would, could, could send four teams to national, and it would be however they were ranked, one through four, and it was a uh, human ranking. So sometimes a lot of bias could you know come in. Um, if, let's say, the West, if Utah State was number four in the West this particular year, and say San Jose was hosting nationals, but they were number eight, Utah State would get bumped out. San Jose would get into to number uh, in number four. So it was really kind of unfair for a team to work that hard, but then it was also they were taking on a lot of responsibility to host nationals. And then when the computer rankings came out, uh, still has its issues, still has its problems, but then there was no bias as far as human voters. We had one year, ASU was by far the number one team in the West, and a couple of voters from a different state voted them at number four. And you just got to scratch your head. They were, you know, they they were the team. And uh, and so this, the computer rankings have been really great. Um, and it really forces teams to build their schedules for strength of schedule. You know, not to play uh, a team that is struggling uh, or gets beat every night, to play them 10 times just to pad your score, pad points. Um, whereas you wouldn't now, you won't get those points in a, in a c- computer ranking because there's certain restrictions. Even if you beat the ten team 10 to one, it still doesn't help you that much versus you go play, uh, say a you marry who might be number one and you lose to them, you know, by one point, you would, you would uh, get more ranking points computer wise versus 
beating up on this other team. So it it does help that. It does help uh, coaches in the sense that, man, I got to build a schedule, got to play the teams in our conference, but also go out and play teams that are at much higher, uh, you know, level of play. So I know with those computer rankings, have you managed to try and change things? Because we once had a conversation where you would play, back then it was UVU, they were struggling. Right, right. Even if you beat them, you know, 15 to 1, you would lose ranking points. Right, because the way it was set up is the maximum points that you would get credit for is 7. Well, there's still another 8 points out there, but you didn't make any headway. You could lose a couple points. But again, they're in the conference, you can't ignore them. And you're trying to, what, build hockey in Utah, in the ACHA. <clears throat> so you have to, you know, involve those teams. And back to your question, um, the level of play um, is, is gotten better, deeper. Uh, coaches are finding kids now even, you know, overseas. We had a couple of European players, uh, Machi, uh, great defenseman, uh, Swede, William Winza, <clears throat> a forward that came and played. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, and so nowadays I think – I mean, there were great players back then, but now I think there are more players on each team that are great. There are a lot of players that could be playing uh, Division One ACHA. Uh, there are players, uh, the Brian Gibbons, that should have probably been playing, you know, NCAA. And uh, there's a great story about him. He was playing Division Three NCAA, wanted to come out, Utah State, loved it. He had a professional career, five, maybe six years over in Germany, and now he's coaching. Uh, he's an assistant coach uh, with Bethal, um, you know, in the NCAA. And so he's really come from, you know, seeing him, you know, just track. There's several other players that are coaching. Like I mentioned, Machi, he's coaching, in, I think, in Minnesota. Uh, Riley Orr is coaching at an NCAA Division Three school. Um, there are several coaches. Sam Lindquist here at Utah State was a player. So there's a lot of guys out there um, that are now coaching, which is awesome to see to give back, you know, and that's huge. When you started out at Utah State uh, as a coach in 2003, it was your first year. Yeah, assistant coach then, yep. Yeah, at the time, the Eccles Ice Arena was pretty new, built just before the 2002 Winter Olympics. Then there were questions about, well, this was built for the Olympics. What happens with this facility now? now and you guys, USU Club Hockey, kind of took it over, pretty much claimed it as its own, as your own. Uh, you know, many years of success. It's a great venue, always great crowds. And if you look across the spectrum of Utah State athletics and their attendance, USU Club Hockey, probably the third most attended sporting event uh, routinely at, uh, at USU. Yeah, it had been for years. I'm not sure what the statistics are now. Um, but back in the day, after the arena had been built, um, it only had seats on the uh, south side, right? Well, the players, we'd get together. The city of Logan was very uh, – the Parks and Recs would loan us their softball um, uh, bleachers, and the guys would call in like 6 to 8 to even 10 – to, to get those bleachers in there so now we could double our attendance. After that, um, the ice arena had come to us and said, hey, we'd like you to, you know, be a partnership in, you know, getting the seats in on this side and chair backs on the other side. And uh, so Utah State jumped in. I cannot remember 
the cost to Utah State, but it was over, I think, like 10 years that they paid off. And it was a healthy amount of money. <clears throat> of money. And uh, it just made the ice center that much better as an event center, you know. And, and they hold a lot of different things there besides hockey now, you know. And the figure skating is doing well. Um, they've got curling there. They've got Green Canyon uh, teaching hockey. Um, we've got the USU class, uh, the the um, youth hockey programs, and the adult leagues. And then uh, they do a bunch of other things down there, you know. MMA fighting and you know uh, the the home and garden show but it is it's a great it's a great facility great location and they have been awesome to Utah State and uh, I appreciate my association with them it's always great to work with them you know it's they're very accommodating so I want to turn to, to some of your time as a head coach so I believe it was 2012 the 2012-2013 season you go to nationals that was one of seven different trips to nationals yeah. that was the year you made it to the semifinals right yeah what a what a trip i mean we ended up losing one game in pool play so that makes it nervous you know but we ended up coming out and knocking off i believe the number one seed which was new hampshire if i'm not mistaken and uh ian beckstrom what a, he was a great kid he uh him and their captain collided and their captain broke his ankle so it took a big, you know, a big piece of them out. And our guys were just, they were hungry. They just pushed it and pushed it. And we end up beating them, which secures us a bid to go into uh, the, the semis. And we go up against uh, Michigan State. And there were no real superstars on Michigan State. They had some great players. Um, some of them I went over to Europe with. But... Um, we, we ran out of gas. We just weren't deep enough. We, we hung with them. They would score a couple. We would score. They'd score another one. You know, so it was kind of back and forth. But we just didn't have enough manpower, you know, because if it's five games to, to, to win a national championship, we'd already played three back to back to back. Now we're playing our fourth one. And it just just not enough, not enough gas in the tank for us. But... I, I won't forget it. It was, the guys were, they worked so hard. Obviously, it would have been nice to take the next step and make it the finals, but it was a big achievement for Utah State. It had been quite a while that they had made it to the semis. John, when you look at your teams that you've had, you know, obviously, as noted several times here, you've, you know, a couple of them made it to nationals, but was there a particular, well, I, I know it's kind of hard. It's like asking which of your children is your favorite, but was there a particular team that stood out to you more than any others? Well, obviously the one we just talked about, you know, making semis, that's, you know, that's a highlight. Um, our first year when um, the uh, regional play started and we had, uh, it was a short time, I can't remember the exact year that it started, but we played a couple times and missed out at regionals. You know, we'd make it to regionals, but would get beat. And I think I was head coach for two of those. And we finally broke, you know, that, you know, that mold, whatever, to, to make it from regionals into nationals. And we actually were the number two seed in the West. And I think it was San Jose was, um, was hosting it, so they still allowed that, even though you're number two. So now the number two seed gets bumped back down into regionals. San Jose doesn't have to play, but here Utah State is. They had a great record that year, 
and now we have to play to get back into nationals where we had our spot and uh the guys came to play we ended up uh ended up winning and that was a huge uh, momentum boost for the club for the school for the players and then from that point on um we kept you know just you know going and then uh San Jose, we did good. Everyone was talking about us because we knocked off, uh, I think, the number two team or number three team, and we weren't supposed to. I think it was two. We were two, and they were uh, <clears throat> number three. We knocked them off. So everyone was talking. They were talking about the players. Who's this Brendan McDonald? Who's Ken Arsenal? Who's, you know, Tyler Misselbacher? You know, just all these players. And, uh, you know, people were coming down from the ACHA side, you know, hey, you know. And uh, we went in and uh, ended up losing a very tight game, our second game. I think we were playing Michigan. And uh, we were up on them. They got a couple of goals. We tied. Then they got a third goal to put put them up, and right at the end, there's just kind of like not necessarily a scrum, but a lot of players, and the puck does go across the line from what everyone's saying, even the people behind the glass, but the ref didn't see it, said no, and we ended up losing like 3-2 oh. uh, or 5-4, you know, something like that. So then the next game, um, which I kind of hate, where the team – we almost beat was now playing another team and it was going back and forth too so if that team that beat us lost and we won our second game we could have gone on to the semis and so the players were out there watching and you can't stop them from going and you know watching and getting ready well that team comes back again and wins and all the guys just kind of like their hearts sank because now what, what were they playing for even though you're trying to stay positive you know hey we're trying to you know go for a winning record here we came out and played flat and um we ended up losing but again it was our first time there for about i don't know i know we went in uh 03 04 i want to say uh, 04 05 went to like maryland and michigan and then it was that stretch from 05 to i don't know the first time uh, when we did get back you know and so it was it was good but it was, it was heart-wrenching long bus ride home from san jose you know and uh you know from there we just you know built on it next year we went out to florida which was tough how do you corral 25 college kids when you're in florida <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. in utah it's still kind of maybe snow on the ground in march and they're out there with sunny beaches and you know so and we we did okay uh but then we just kind of kept building on it um i loved it uh the one thing other i was going to mention uh different from the you know from the commissioner and coaching I don't have those long bus rides anymore. So. <laughs> you get to fly? I, I, I get to fly, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I want to ask you, uh, what was like the craziest game you ever coached? Maybe if you want to, you know, your own playing days. Like what was the, the craziest game, whether it's a fight or just a back and forth game? Just what was the biggest mess you got yourself into? Well, um, again, I can't remember the exact year. I could probably look it up, but we were struggling. I mean, we were at like 500. We played good enough to win some games. We just weren't. And we were, you know, flip-flopping back with the goalies, trying to break, you know, the, the, the losing games. Um, DU comes to town. And, is, uh, is Denver? Denver, yep. University of Denver. They come to town. And game is tight all the way through. I mean, it goes back and forth. And I want to say it's tied 2-2, third period. 
there's I think a little bit over a minute uh, oh we're in overtime sorry we're in overtime with about a little bit over a minute they just got a penalty so now it's four on three so we're thinking okay we got a chance here let's you know let's do it if anything we come away with the tie and we're doing good so um, I remember this game so vividly um, Denver is lined up they're ready for the face-off our guys are you know talking they go there um, and the, 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 the ref goes up, gets ready to drop the puck, and one of the players said, Coach, what's Keegan doing? You know, and I look over in the corner, and our goaltender's over there, you know, raising his arms, getting the crowd excited. Well, the crowd was already in a frenzy just because it was such a close game, and, you know, we're in overtime. And uh, I look, see him in the corner. I look back. I saw the ref, like, drop the puck. And their center was not going to lose that face-off because they could see what was happening. The net was open. Their center wins the puck back to the defenseman who's standing right on the goal line. And so he's about 180 feet away from the, the, our goal and the goal line. And he just lets a shot go. And uh, Sean Gibbons is like jumping in the air to try and reach it. I could just see where the puck was, and you know, with the, where it was in the ice and in the air, and it was like going right down the middle. And I, we're screaming, we're screaming, but no one can hear us. It was so loud. And then all of a sudden, you see the goaltender skating as hard as he can, diving with his stick out, and he misses the puck by about six inches to a foot. And uh, I was like so mad that we had lost the game. And <clears throat> I was telling uh, the other goaltender, get in there, because these guys are out. They thought they were out in the middle of the ice, like they had just won the Stanley Cup. They're jumping on each other. And I, that even made me more mad. And, the, and then the, the goalie looks at me and he says, Coach, the game's over. And then it just like hit me like, oh, yeah, we're in overtime. I mean, and we ended, obviously we ended up losing the game. Well, that simple play there made it to ESPN not top 10 oh. yeah. and it you know it was replayed and replayed and replayed and uh it's a lot of my friends will say hey i just found this do you remember this and they'll send it to me just to kind of you know for uh uh the other game that made it to the espn not top 10 was uh we were playing in regionals so one year we didn't make it we could have gone to utah to play in nationals um tied and we're missing a couple of key players. We're, it's 2-2. And the person that was running the regionals there, uh, she would not even listen to the commissioner at the time, Mike Radakovich, because he said it's five on five, 20 minutes. She said, nope, five on five, five minutes. And so we'd play five minutes, still tied, whistle, five minutes, still whistle, five minutes. So we played uh, 10 minutes for sure. Then they finally, the ref said, hey, we're not going to ref because the ice is getting so dangerous. That's 30 minutes of, you know, in a small, uh, small rink. So they said, oh, she said, okay, we'll cut the ice and then you come back. So then I tried to talk to her again. She said, nope, five minutes. So we came out, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. We were up to six at that point. Whistle blows again. They cut the ice and we come out for another time. And with about less than a minute, they scored in seven five-minute overtimes. And uh, everyone was, you know, just laughing because here I was also the West coordinator, like, oh, can't you control it out there? You know, it's the wild, wild West. And, uh, but yeah, and so we ended up losing <laughs> because of that. And that made the top 10 also, not, not top 10, so. <laughs> Dubious distinction, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you've, you've mentioned this a little bit, and I want to circle back to it, about the, the growth of hockey, not just close to home but throughout the state. You know, I know there are some pretty deep rivalries between USU and Weber State. Uh, Utah has had a, a, program, a couple programs now. Uh, there's been some weird up and downs in Utah County. Yeah. But how would you assess how things have grown or just changed in hockey throughout the state of Utah? Well, um, the dominant teams there for a while were um, uh, Utah State, Weber, and Utah once they got kind of got back up on top. And uh, it was really crazy. BYU was in the mix there, but they were not a the dominant team and then they started coming along you know kind of building the program and some of those crowds that we would have um the fire marshal come down shut hey no more no more we'd be at like 2100 2200 in there and again you know you're like 70 feet from the furthest seat from the ice and so you're just like right on it and those rivalries were crazy i mean literally crazy just because um they hated each other you know to you know start off with um and again the teams wanted to be the best working this you know trying to get the top seed um you know byu is probably one of the hugest ones utah and then weber um uvu again they're you know they're coming along they're trying to you know get things going and they're they're making progress each year so there's not that rivalry is really not built there yet. Uh, unfortunately, BYU decided not to play this season, so that took a rivalry where So now it's Weber and Utah. Uh, Utah. And uh, what's fun is they'll hate. Back in the day, uh, Aggies and Weber were just hateful. Uh, Slaughter was a, a player for Weber, and there were fans that made Slaughter suck shirts, and and he loved it so much. I mean, after games, he would literally go down in the hallway and talk to our fans, and it was very cordial. You know, it wasn't like screaming and stuff like that. Hey, how can I get one of these shirts? You know, and oh, we'll get you one. But that's the way it was, and there was a time for BYU playing, and their goalie was looking to go um, to the ECHL and play for the Steelheads. I believe. And so we thought, okay, you know, we got the slaughter sucks shirts. What, what can we do? Let's get, um, uh, face signs of this guy because, uh, uh, one of our players, Roberto Leo collided with him and the picture, someone got a stolen picture where he had a little cut, had some blood coming down his face. And it was just kind of like, so we told the, t- uh, the captain or the, the coaches and the staff, Hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we're just trying to build the rivalry. We're trying to, you know, excitement, get fans in. Okay. Okay. Well, we did that. And I forget how many of those little face things that we made, but every time, you know, uh, he would make a save or get scored on, they'd put the sign up, you know, and start chanting. Well, we and they were they were good they were they were playing good at that time we ended up putting four goals on him in the first period and he gets pulled well BYU was so mad at us you know parents were saying this is disgraceful and stuff like that and I'm like it's it wasn't you know it was a uh, again trying to build that rivalry and uh, and it did and uh, I, you know I remember that that's a lot of fun I still have some of the posters and, you know I always remember one, probably one of my favorite moments, you know, in those games, they have a cheer when they score on the goalie. They say, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but... Oh, they, they'll go, goalie, goalie, you suck. Yeah, like, and I mean, when you get 1,000, 1,500 people screaming that, I mean, it just like reverberates. Yeah. The goalie can't hide. <clears throat> you know, yeah, he sits out there. 
Yeah, because I, I always remember the end. I was like, hey, goalie. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. like, they get yeah. one of 2,000 people yelling, you suck right at He's like, hey, we are all yeah. pointing at that guy. <laughs> so... John, I know you started off with this, your your new role, and we've had some fun reminiscing on your years as a coach at USU, but with this new role, uh, what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, managing the sport, to, to grow the sport, maintaining rules, or changing how things are done. I mean, what does your day-to-day look like now? So, during the season, um, we have to get everything ready to be sent out to teams. The hardest thing is making <clears throat> making sure that we have correct contact information because a lot of times uh, they're student-run programs there is a coach but the kid leaves and all of a sudden who's next you'll send something out hey i'm no longer there you know and so you're like great so we've really tried to build up a, a database with the head coach and then a second person even a third person <clears throat> so when we send stuff out somebody on the team is getting it uh we get everything ready for um, fall uh, eligibility reports sending them out to teams they have it uh, in august and uh, they should be at that time like they should know who's coming back so they can check those the freshmen again are brand new so there's not a whole lot holding them back um updating the the manual you know like you say uh new rules one rule we did this year was uh we went away from um ties and we used to do four on four for five minutes now we do three on three for five minutes similar to what the ncaa does and then at that point if it's still tied we go to a shootout and so um this year we have three ties but that's because of some misunderstandings but for the most part all the games come to a final you either win or you lose and you don't get, you know, the points other than when the ranking it does take in consideration that you lost and stuff like that in overtime. But that was huge. We had uh, the UMary coach, Dan Huntley, and I talked about it. And I says, well, Dan, I really can't put it in, so it'd have to come from some a team. So he got, you know, he put it all together. Then COVID came, so it got, like, shelved and shelved. And then this last year we voted it in. So this is the first year we're doing that. Um eligibility of players it, I mean it's critical um, I get eligibility reports again about a hundred hundred eighty-five eligibility reports from teams and I got to go through each one and uh, if player a here only took seven credits in the fall or only passed seven credits in the, or the spring then you know we, we need to know why so I got to contact the team yeah we just found that out John he didn't pass a class uh, so yeah he's ineligible to play in the fall you know now did he play any games while you know they were trying to do all their stuff which can come back and haunt you know a team because uh all of a sudden that team now might have been four and four but the four games that they won this kid played in so now they're forfeits you know and so uh enforce the the bylaws and the rules um i get tons of emails texts or phone calls mainly from coaches um, or the student uh, the cl- uh, team president on hey are we doing this right you know we got this situation this player played ncaa hockey you know can he play then we got to do the research like okay he hasn't played this year right nope um well he's played two years already he's got three years left you know so you know we've got that european players coming over to play we got to check what leagues they played in What's nice is a lot of the younger ones who are playing in juniors here, they haven't got caught up in that. 
but uh, we have to do the research on that. And then the rankings, uh, they come out every week starting this week. We have a break between December and January there where there's a little lull, and then we have a total of 10. And I get a spreadsheet with all the scores, and like last night when I got it, we had about 190 scores not entered in for one reason or another if someone hadn't got schedules and stuff so we have to go through we have to get all that done and so i was up to like 130 last night inputting i'm down to 40. you know and so i've got people i got people helping me i'm not doing it all myself um and uh get all that done then i have to get it prepared to send it to the person that does the calculations he sends it back then i have to go through and add another uh, score win-loss factor and then come out with the top 20 and then the phone calls start well john you know why why are we why are we 15 we're like you know uh 12 and 2 and this team that's you know up above us is you know eight and eight you know again you tell them it's the strength of schedule you know um win-loss so it's it's fun you know i mean it's the hard thing is, is having parents call you and you say, hey, you got to talk to your coach because if we opened it up to having parents call, I mean, if there's, I mean, if we were at 200 teams and there was 30 kids per team, you can imagine how many players there are and then parents and we still do and we try and try and keep it, you know. Try and keep it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever, you ever had like a misinput on uh, on the yep. scores? Oh, yeah. I accidentally have somebody win like fifty to seven. <laughs> well, not so much like that, but um, sometimes have a team in there twice. I mean, you could miss it again. Right now, there's over, I want to say, close to eight hundred games played so far from uh, September through uh, October, and and the first part of November. So there's a lot of games, and I tell you, when you're looking at that, and there's no way to, you know, because you're looking for teams that don't have scores, or sometimes uh, last year a team will put in three, we won 3-2 three, in uh, uh, a shootout. Well, back then shootouts didn't count, so you'd have to, you know, go back and adjust that, um, put it as a tie. So, um, yeah, there are mistakes. It's human. I don't think the rank, the computer does, uh, the, the ranking guy, he said, hey, John, I don't think, you know, I've never seen this team before. And if someone, like when they're putting it in and they don't say uh, University of Utah or, or they don't say Utah State University and just say Utah State, sometimes doesn't get picked up. Now you got two scores with two different names. So it, it can be crazy. Sounds like fun. It is. I love it. And I mean, as, you know, frustrating as that can be, it's again, I, you know, I love to, I just love seeing the teams and, and helping out, you know, I mean, that's, and we're, we're probably, we probably picked up, I think close to 10 teams this year, uh, new teams. And we've got more coming in. We got Idaho, um, university, Idaho is up in Moscow, right? So Idaho state wants to put a team in. So, uh, uh, University of Nor uh, Montana State Northern, which is Harvard, clear up by the Canadian border. So we're getting a lot of teams. <clears throat> All right. Well, that is uh, head coach or former head coach of Utah State, uh, John Eccles of the hockey team, current ACHA uh, D2 commissioner. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, giving us some of your time. No problem, Jason. Eric, thanks. Uh, is it all right if I say go Aggies, even though I'm not supposed to support? Uh, no, I, I, I hope they do well this year. I hope the state of Utah teams really do well. Yeah. So Except BYU. Well, I guess they don't yeah. they aren't do anything yeah. this yeah. year, so <laughs> they aren't doing yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. 
Thanks, right, guys. Thank Appreciate you all you do and the support you've given Utah State Hockey. You guys have been awesome. Thanks. This has been the Light the Eight podcast with Jason Walker and Eric Franzen. Be sure to like the episode and share your favorite part of it. You can also find the show on Twitter at 1069 The Fan.